0: This is Haley Beebe, the CarbLine Color Admin. Welcome to the CarbLine Tech Service Podcast, the go-to Industrial Coatings Podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula James. All right, Paul, here we are again, the CarbLine Tech Service Podcast. I don't even have to say that anymore, but I can't not.
1: I know, it's kind of one of those bad habits when we're when we're pushing 150 episodes now, what? those habits are hard to break.
0: You really like to bring it up like every week. I'm like truly it's some kind amazed. Of Congrats, Paul. You did your job. Good for <laughs> you. You know, we're still not talking about that thing that's totally going to happen with uh, He Who Should Not Be Named. Well, that's right. Yeah. So what we're going to do today, though, is we're bringing a new uh, soon-to-be-old friend back on the show. That's Brian Cheshire. He's uh, our market manager for Water Wastewater. Hey, Brian, sure. how's it going?
2: Hey guys, how are you today?
0: We're doing good. Just uh, another day here in uh, COVIDville.
2: I did want to say before we started. You know, I was uh, thank you for having me back. I was really worried that I was going to be classified as a one-hit wonder <laughs> and fall into the same category as like a Tommy Two Tone or Chumbawamba. <laughs>
0: The rear tw- Chumbawamba and Tommy Two Tone together same reference. reference. Right, yeah, yeah it, it, the weirder part is that it's 2020. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, right. uh, Chumbawamba that was uh, 2000, maybe. I 90s, was going to say right, I was going to start with
1: 19. So, uh, yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah, two chords. Probably. Play G. Play D. Sing about getting knocked down again. Chumbawamba.
2: <laughs> Now that I've shown my age, though, I, I was also going to say, you know, I'm definitely excited to be able to join in on the shirty conversation that you got started on I it was episodes 104 and went all the way through 109.
0: Yeah, so we did have a series where we talked a little bit about some of the different, the process of the wastewater and how it goes through the different areas. And we talked a little bit about uh, how you handle the different uh, collection areas, uh, settlement areas, things like that. And if you want, go back, like Brian said episode 104 through 109 we thought it was like a month ago
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> but since i'm not allowed
1: to say what no episode number we're on anymore though so i can't tell you that it was like 45 episodes ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's almost a full year ago that that was and it feels uh, like it was just about two months well, ago
0: it's just further proof that time is time is like color right now you know it's just a. is it of, really
1: there yeah what was is was that it really episode there two? yeah
0: Episode 51, color, is it really there? And you could probably say the same thing about time right now. That's true. You know, we got the new Bill and Ted movie coming out, and I don't even understand. Really? I,
1: that's, I saw the, epi- the preview oh, yeah. for that, and I was like, holy cow. I can't believe we're going to get...
0: Two days. Well, actually, by the time this episode releases, oh, it will it's, be it's, out. It'll be out. Excellent. That's what... Party on, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a deliberate.
0: <laughs> so we have Brian back, and we're, we didn't bring Brian back to talk about Bill and Ted or Tommy Two-Tone. I don't even know what Tommy Tuto's song was. Anyway, uh, uh, we're going to talk about uh, one of the guides that SSPC has for the water wastewater market, and that is SSPC Technology Guide 27 that's Recommended Performance Properties for Liquid Applied Organic Polymeric Coatings and Linings for Concrete Structures and Municipal Wastewater Facilities.
1: (sighs) Now, I know Jack is going to edit this because he gets to do the editing, so you didn't hear the three outtakes he had before he got that mouthful of words together in a single coherent sentence.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to edit that, too. Anyway, <laughs> so, Brian, why don't you give us a quick overview of what this guide covers?
2: Yeah, sure thing. So, before jumping into that, though, I did want to mention, you know, when you get into wastewater treatment facilities, and then even in the collection systems, you've got other substrates. You know, I guess to coat and account for you know steel, ductile iron, aluminum, various surfaces, but concrete by far is the most widely used building material in these wastewater treatment facilities. And steel is, is honestly you know much easier to prepare and coat, uh, while concrete, you know, as you guys have talked about before on the show, it's it's a much more dynamic substrate. It definitely Mm -hmm. requires some additional considerations.
0: Definitely. And if you go back to some of our other episodes, we actually just did one last week about the moisture vapor test you have to do prior to applying coatings to concrete. All of that applies as we go into these uh, conversation here with these coatings for concrete and water wastewater. So you're still going to have to perform those tests to try and make sure that you don't have a problem down the road with the moisture.
2: Yeah, so, you know, when you get into the, the collection systems, which is, you know, the, the manholes, the the interceptors, the lift stations, ba- basically all the mechanisms that it takes to collect and transport to the treatment facility. And then when you get into the treatment facility itself, you've got some various exposures there, and the worst of those being in the head spaces. Uh, so you've got things like hydrogen sulfide gas, methane, carbon dioxide to account for there.
0: Sure, and they're all very aggressive to coatings when you look at those different gases. And the
1: reason why we're coating these things, they're also very aggressive to concrete.
0: Sure. So let's, you know, Brian, you kind of said there that the most widely used construction material in this industry is uh, concrete. So let's talk a little bit about the structures that are comprised from the concrete within the wastewater area.
2: So before we get into the specific structures in the treatment plant, I think first it's important to understand some of the different corrosion mechanisms that you see there. Uh, The first of those being biogenic sulfide corrosion or what you've probably heard it referred to as uh, microbial-induced corrosion, which uh, disclaimer here, this more than likely will be a future episode because this is something that there's been a lot of studies on. And there's you know, just lots of, lots of papers, lots of data out there that, that really we don't have the time to get into in full detail today. Um, but, but I did want to basically summarize that process. You know, it, it typically happens in four stages, uh, the corrosion mechanism. So the first stage is sulfate-reducing bacteria break down sulfates in the waste stream, and they end up producing hydrogen sulfide and carbon dioxide. And so, in turn, those gases end up reducing the pH of the concrete, and in that process, sulfur oxidizing bacteria attach to the surface as those sulfates are produced. And then the real, I guess, kind of a misnomer here, a lot of people think of hydrogen sulfide as, as the major culprit, but really the, the more damaging mechanism here is the, is when the sulfur oxidizing bacteria consume that hydrogen sulfide and end up discharging sulfuric acid and once that happens and if the conditions are right, this creates a very vicious cycle that a lot of times can lead to structural failure if, if unnoticed.
1: That's right. That's one of the things that, that I frequently end up having to talk with people about is, you know, they want to get into the, into the weeds about how this whole process happens. And what I have to go back to time and time again is from a tech service side, from a codings side, I'm less interested in how that mechanism happens As I am interested in how much of that is sulfuric acid when they're all done and that's what's attacking. And that is a great point that you made is there's some misnomers as to which part of the process is the most aggressive. But from a coating side, the one that really kills us is the sulfuric acid. And so once it's there, how are we going to deal with it? What are we going to do? And not that the other parts aren't important and not that the other parts don't cause damage. Just we know from a coating side, the most aggressive typically tends to be that sulfuric acid.
0: Sure. And we're definitely going to have to have a whole episode on the MIC because, I mean, not just the besides the things you brought up as confusing. I mean, there's multiple types of bugs, bugs that eat bugs, bugs that eat poop, bugs that eat the bugs poop right. like they're is massive massive layers and i do believe to a certain extent that the the information that we have it on today is limited because as science evolves you learn more about the process and and you know what we know today probably isn't going to be the same picture we have of this type of corrosion in several years because it feels like every year or two we learn a little bit more about mick
1: that's right one of the other things that we've seen is in so many of these cases as the, the system gets longer, the lines get longer, this effect has more of a tendency to build up and we're starting to see higher levels than we used to see, which is causing a different style of corrosion and a different quantity of corrosion, primarily because things are handled on more of a regional basis rather than on that local level that things used to be handled on. So the change in design has created a change in atmosphere.
0: So now that we've talked about the different things that can cause corrosion within these environments, whether it be the the chemicals themselves or the biogenic attack, what elements are made up of concrete in a wastewater treatment plant?
2: Yeah, so, so, Jack, you know you've got uh, <laughs> kind of going to the back to the collection system. You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, that includes your your laterals, your manholes, your lift stations, wet wells. And you know these the structures are very susceptible to that biogenic sulfide corrosion. Yeah, you know, Paul mentioned mentioned many of those reasons. You know just a minute ago, um, and and I'd like to add, you know the. Ah, uh, the Clean Water Act that was that was really enforced in the 80s. It it removed a lot of heavy metals from the waste stream, and those heavy metals did a great job of, of keeping down some of that biogenic sulfide corrosion. So as as a result, uh, once we eliminated those from the waste stream, we, we've in turn ended up with a much more aggressive uh, wastewater that that we're having to deal with. Um, so specifically talking about the collection systems, if, if you're specifying a coating there. You want to make sure that whatever you're specifying has good adhe- good adhesion, first and foremost, uh, good abrasion resistance. Uh, and then you want to make sure that it has very low water vapor transmission and permeability. And on top of all that, you need something that, that has good chemical resistance to sulfuric acid. Since, as we mentioned, that is really the the, the major culprit here. Um, when you get into that corrosion
0: sure and you know it's it's interesting i had never really thought of that before when you talk about how the r- reduction of heavy metals in the waste stream can cause uh, the increase of the MIC, because the you know as you think about it I, I really am familiar with our fluorine products and when you look at the antimicrobials that we use i mean silver is like the most used yeah, antimicrobial copper, co- yeah
1: copper too so basically what we're saying is that government put in a rule with unintended consequences?
0: Sure, and but at the same time, there I'm sure there's side effects associated with the heavy metals, too. We all know that we don't want those in our system too. So uh, maybe we made the world healthier, but in, uh, in, increased our, our corrosion created a new problem. Yeah.
1: but it is a similar topic to the one that we saw from back in the 60s, you know when we took lead out of paint sure there was a huge environmental impact and a health safety issue with having lead in paint but we are still fighting to get back to that level of corrosion protection that lead brought to a coating system oh sure sure yeah so it's another one of those just unintended consequences that you know yes we made it healthier yes we made it safer for people and animals and the environment but we made it more difficult to achieve the same level of performance
0: all right, guys, I want to talk to you about Phenoline Tank Shield. This lining is designed for the internals of tanks, valves, and pipes. It is good in a wide range of chemical commodities. It's good for potable water. It's good for fuels, oils, all of those services. It is incredibly great for. You get plural component performance out of a single egg product that's huge, and it doesn't have any solvent in it. So that's the Phenoline Tank Shield, guys. You definitely need to check it out.
2: So now that we've covered collection systems, uh, so so basically the job of the collection system is is to get the the wastewater that you want to treat to the actual treatment plant. So once we get to the treatment plant, we we start the first steps, which are generally classified as preliminary treatment. Uh, A lot of times you'll hear this referred to as the the headworks. So as you can imagine, this is the entry point to the treatment plant. So, you get any and all things, and I mean all things that, that show up at this point. It's oh, yeah. Pretty entertaining sometimes to, to if, if you go to the wastewater treatment plant and talking to some of the operators and just to hear some of the objects that they have to remove um, in the Headworks facility.
0: Man, that, I mean, that l- end
2: up in their plant.
0: Little, little kids flush everything down the toilet. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, when we did research for that series, uh, episode 104 through 109, I. I remembered even reading, like, firearms.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever can make it down into a sewer.
0: <laughs> yep. We'll end up at the wastewater treatment plant.
2: Exactly. Well, the and, and the main main point, I guess, of this uh, part of the treatment process is to really screen out the larger items, screen out the, the grit, and also to slow down the flow because a lot of times you've, you've got some pretty good velocity and some turbidity to this stream that's coming into the plant. So the goal is, is to really slow that down and to get all the very abrasive materials out of the waste stream. As you can imagine, you know, because this is dealing with the very septic, untreated wastewater, uh, these structures in the headworks are extremely susceptible to biogenic sulfide corrosion. And when selecting a coating or lining in these, these areas, you want to make sure that you've got a material that will have very good adhesion, once again, extremely good abrasion resistance because of the larger objects and the grit that are coming in, coming in through this part of the process. And then also, you know, you want to be able to have good chemical resistance uh, for any, any coating or lining that you select here.
0: Sure, yeah, and that's um, definitely, until we get further down the uh, treatment road, we are going to have MIC be a major problem until we probably get, what would you say, Brian, into the secondary treatment portion of the uh, plant?
2: Oh, yes, very, very much so. Once it goes through preliminary treatment, you, you've got primary treatment first. And, you know, as, as you said, I mean, that those structures are still going to be very susceptible to that biogenic sulfide corrosion, um, and, and especially in clarifiers that have covers. So in some treatment plants that are in, in the middle of a city or, or maybe adjacent to, to a neighborhood, uh, a lot of times these clarifiers will have to have covers on them. And so while you're keeping odor down, you're basically accelerating the uh, some of those corrosion mechanisms because now you've got all those other conditions, but now you've introduced elevated temperatures and more of an anaerobic environment there.
0: So yeah, once we get past the preliminary and primary treatment, then we're in our uh, secondary treatment area. And like we said... Now we're using microorganisms on purpose to help absorb and oxidize the substances from the wastewater.
2: Well, and, and Jack, some of the structures in secondary treatment, while they may not be as susceptible to the, the biogenic sulfide corrosion, they're going to be even more susceptible to carbonation. So b- because of the fact that when you get into an aeration basin, you're introducing oxygen to to help those bacteria and organisms to oxidize some of those organic substances. So um, so while we may be doing, I guess, doing away with one form of corrosion, we're trading it for another one here that, that we need to consider.
0: Sure. Not to mention that the, the chemicals that are added at this point to try and bring the water back to neutrality can cause a problem in themselves as well.
2: You're correct there. Yes. And I mean, some of those chemicals, I mean, you've got things like sodium hypochlorite, sodium bisulfate, aluminum sulfate and ferric chloride that, that, that can cause other issues, you know, other, other corrosion issues.
1: So really what we're saying is when we're talking about the whole process of the wastewater collection system from the beginning collection point to the final distribution point where we release clean water back into our environmental water sources, it really is a very aggressive environment, both for the concrete and any steel that may be involved, but really we talk about concrete being the main thing here, concrete and the coatings that are involved. And so you really need to make sure that the coating systems that you apply in these areas are able to tolerate all of these different environments. You need to make sure that you can handle, whether it's a biological corrosion or an abrasion or an impact or more chemical attacks that happen down the road, you need to be specifically zeroing in on what part of the system And what can I put in that's going to have the best life? Because let's face it, as citizens, we're all paying for this. And you want to put in the best system that you can that's going to last the longest and give you the best service life out of each part of it. So it needs to be a full understanding and a full system approach as to how we're going to attack these problems.
0: Sure. And so as we kind of come back around to Technology Guide 27, not that we really left it, because as you look at this guide, it outlines everything that we just talked about the different parts of the wastewater treatment plant, where the heavy corrosion areas, what those forms of corrosion are. right? And then what they do is as you identify all of these properties that are needed, they give you performance requirements for the coatings. What SSPC and a group of, you know, cause SSPC isn't just SSPC. It's a group of industrial experts at water wastewater experts have come to write this guide and figure out what is important for the coatings that are going to be put in this service and brian you know we kind of touched on it but let's run through you know we don't need to get into the nitty-gritty of you need 100 milligrams loss for for abrasion but you know kind of touch base on some of these tests that are identified by ssbc as important uh for qualification of coatings for this service.
2: So the guy does a great job of laying out various ASTM tests that you know for for different stages of of the treatment process, some of the things that you really want to look for, for example, you know, the adhesion values are, are measured per ASTM D7234 and then from there abrasion resistance, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, that's very important in the earlier stages of the treatment process. So the guide here references ASTM D forty sixty as a means to to quantify that, and then as we mentioned in the head spaces and some of the once again some of the beginning stages of the treatment process, you know you you really want to be able to specify linings that you know have have, have low values on water vapor transmission and water vapor
0: permeance. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, um, yep. And the guide here, you know, definitely gives out some further specifics there on the different methods because. As with a lot of ASTM tests, there's different methods and different um, ways you can you can measure, I guess, and still be within that standard. And then one of the other standards they mention here, and, and I think this could be an entire episode as well, is ASTM G210. So what this test is is it's called the the SWAT test or severe wastewater analysis test. And what this test tries to do is is it tries to duplicate the corrosive environment in, in a headspace, you know, so for, for manholes, for headworks, for primary clarifiers, being able to have a coating that, that more or less will hold up to these conditions is going to be very important. And then the last things that the guide lays out, you know, naturally, you want to have a coating that has very good tensile strength, and then also, you know, the chemical resistance, and, and that chemical resistance may be different throughout the process. You know, earlier in the process, we may need to hold up more to just sulfuric acid, whereas when we get into the secondary treatment phase having to hold up to a whole other list of chemicals there. And this isn't even really mentioning um, another big part of wastewater treatment plants, and I know it's something very near and dear to your heart, Jack, is, is secondary containment. Sure. You know, and you can almost look at that as a it, as a whole topic in and of itself there, that one guide may not do, do justice there.
0: Exactly. And you're exactly right on the G210. So, Brian, I think this gives us a really good overview of the... SSPC Technology Guide 27 and what it does you know it'll be linked in our show notes when you guys take a listen to this like if you're a specifier writing specifications for water waste water and you're not working off this guide I know I say this a lot when we go over these different specifications but this this guide really will make sure that you end up with a coding that works and that's ultimately what everybody wants right that's right the coding manufacturer the engineer the contractor the owner we all want a coding that works so you, you need to follow what industry experts have identified as major qualifications for the coatings. And uh, if you do that, you'll have a successful project and everything will be good. Yeah. All right, Brian. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show.
2: Yeah, thank you guys.
0: Get used to Brian. He'll be back on next month and we're going to kind of have a little water wastewater every month check in with Brian. It'll be a new topic.
1: It only took us three years to catch our stride, but I think we've actually got a plan that's more than just this afternoon.
0: No, no, we don't do that here. All right, for Paul, I'm Jack. Thanks. We'll see you next week.
1: And so, for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul.
0: And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank you, you for, for your support. Who put the line
2: in CarbonLine?